0: Good evening, if you go ahead and open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 46, we're gonna be turning our Bible a little bit uh, this evening. I do like, as uh, Daniel said, those paper Bibles, even just for selfish reasons, it's reassuring that uh, there's paper moving. Okay, they're still awake, they're still here. When does our technology, our use of technology, particularly our screens and our use of media and shows and social media, when does it become idolatry? Or when can it become at least idol-like? You have probably all heard the comments that I have heard and probably made myself. Listen, back then they had idolatry. They had things like Baal and Nebo, and they had their idols, and today we have our idols. But really, isn't that a little bit of an exaggeration? Is there really any comparison when it comes to our use of technology with their idolatry, bowing down and worshiping false gods? Is there any really comparison at all? I just want to say before we get going that I'm really thankful to be here with you all tonight talking about this topic. I'm thankful just to be able to be with other Christians in other places. Um, I, I don't really know many people here um, But it's just really nice to meet new people who strive to honor and glorify God. And the fact that this room is so full, so many people care about this, as Daniel said. We're not walking in here uh, trying to convince you, drag you to, to reconsider your technology. You've come here voluntarily, and I appreciate that. And I just want you to know that Daniel and I both see ourselves here as servants here, just to open up the Word of God and help us consider some things. Seek wisdom. Try to do the best that we can. I guarantee you in 30 years, we're all going to see things a little bit differently. We're gonna have better perspective. We're gonna realize that some things that we thought were super important, maybe not as important. And there's gonna be some things that we missed, right? But what we're trying to do today is just try to open up God's word, gain some principles, gain some wisdom, start conversations. We're not here to lay down the law and tell you exactly how you ought to do everything. In fact, you guys are gonna come to different conclusions yourselves. But our hope is in the end, we're all going to use biblical principles to make those decisions. And how that might play out will be different, but hopefully we'll end up being wise and be in conversation with one another and be self-critical and focus on ourselves. Uh, I've got plenty of stories like Daniel has as well. Daniel and I are working on ourselves. One of the things that I was praying on the way over here is God Let me not be like a Pharisee that's going to bind on weights on you that I'm not willing to touch with my own finger, but may I also not be like the Pharisees and loosen God's law where it ought not be loosened. May we strive for what God's word wants us to do, and may he give us grace and mercy and help us as we try to do that. So here's how we're going to organize our our study tonight. We're going to briefly do a quick primer on idolatry what's idolatry and why is it so problematic and then we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about what it might look like when our use of screens and media is idolatrous or becomes kind of like idolatry so that we can target that and deal with that and and see how uh, problematic that really is so quick primer on idolatry first idolatry um Idolatry relates into this whole picture of God's creation and who we ultimately are. As Daniel has said, after God formed and filled the heavens and the earth, he made humans and he instructed them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. I want you to think about that, how God has told his image bearers to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. What do people who make idols and idol temples do? What are they doing? They're filling the earth and subduing the earth with the images of their idols. They are trying to enact the dominion and the presence of their demonic idols and images in that space, claiming the space, saying, this place belongs to Nebo. This place belongs to Baal. But what God has told us to do, his living, breathing image bearers, is to fill the earth and subdue it with his image. You see the picture there. God has formed us in his image, and we are now royal priests filling the earth like a temple with his image wherever we go so that this whole earth would become like the best temple, most beautiful temple you've ever seen. You, everywhere you look, you just see images, reflections of God and his authority and his purity and his holiness and his presence and his ways. We are offering sacrifices and stewarding God's gifts and his creation to the end that God would have glory and dominion over all the work Of his hands. That's what we're here on earth to do, to make this place like a temple for his glory and honor. Therefore, idolatry is ultimately a problem for a few reasons. The first of being, we have not seen Yahweh. Have you seen him? I've not seen him. And so we cannot create a representation of him that would ever be accurate. And in fact, it would be using, it would be problematic because it would be using his creation to try to match up to him. And that's exalting creation to the status of creator. And furthermore, idolatry is a problem because ultimately it is connecting us to dark spiritual powers that we don't fully understand. You know, oftentimes, I don't know if you found this, but I found this in my life. Oftentimes when we talk about idolatry, we talk about what we can see. We talk about how well it's just a lifeless idol. It it is nothing. And even Paul uses that language and calls it nothing. But maybe we forget about the reality that we don't see. You also remember what else Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10? Remember how he warns the Corinthians to not go and eat in the temples of idols. Why? Because if they eat in the temples of idols, they're not just sharing the space with some dumb lifeless idol. They're sharing a table with demons. We don't really fully understand it, can't really see it or fully comprehend it. But behind these lifeless images are demons that are full of life. And evil plans. And so idolatry is a problem because we're connecting to principalities and powers in the heavenly places that we do not fully understand, that do not have our best interests at heart. And finally, idolatry is a problem because God has already formed us as his living, breathing image bearers. People fashion images in attempt to connect to principalities and powers in the heavenly places that they think are good but are not good, that they think will help them but will not help them. But God has formed us in his image so that we would be the connection point for all creation to the true and living God. Wherever we go, all creation, whether people or animals or trees or anything, we are the connection point a connection point at least, to the true divine God. And when we have idols, when we make images and give them power, then we are trading away our God-given responsibility. We are trading away our dominion, and they are instead ruling the world. They are instead shaping the world, taking on a life of their own that we lose control of. Any of us ever felt out of control with our use of technology? Like we're not the ones controlling it anymore. That's intentional because there is dark spiritual life behind these things. They take on a life of their own because there is a life of their own behind them or can be at least. So with that brief primer on idolatry behind us and why it's so problematic, what I want to do for the rest of our time is just ask the question, what might it look like if our technology were to become idolatry or at least like idolatry? Recognizing that not one of us, I don't think, is falling down on our knees and kissing our iPhones and saying, you created me, my master, what should I do next? Recognizing that that there is a difference. But I also want to draw parallels so that, we see, so that we're not naive and we just say, well, there's, there's no connection at all. There's, there's no similarity at all. I want to be not be naive here. So we're going to consider four things that might happen when idolatry is in our life by means of our media and screens and technology. And then ultimately one thing that just it means idolatry is just not happening if we're doing things in the right way. Okay, so four things that happen when People make idols out of their technology. The first thing that happens is that we gain a burden. Isaiah 46, you there in Isaiah 46, notice verses one to two with me, how Isaiah talks about and mocks idols and idol worshipers. He says, Bel bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are born on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary Beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Isaiah paints this picture of these beasts uh, being uh, carrying around these idols, Bel and Nebo, and people carrying them around. And the beasts and the people are weary. They're tired. And, and, and they cannot stop their idols from going into captivity, into exile. And the idols cannot stop them from going into captivity and exile. They are ultimately burdened by their idols and cannot rescue each other. Let me ask a question. Do we ever feel burdened by our technology? You ever feel burdened? do we ever feel burdened by our phones? Does it ever feel like a weight to you It, it, it does to me at times. Me make sure we 're working here. There we go. gain a burden. Uh, it does to me at times uh, the The statistics vary based on what search you do or who did the study. but the average American uh, checks their phones. You want to know how often we check our phones throughout our awake lives how How many minutes it takes for us to to, to, before we can't do it again? Roughly every four to ten minutes of our awake lives, we check our phones. Do you enjoy that? (laughs) Do you ever feel burdened by that? Why is it that we feel this need, that I feel this need to, to, every time I pass by my phone, check it. Even though there's not anything specific I'm looking for, check it. Why is it that... Every time we're in a grocery line and we have some spare time, we've got to pull out that phone and, and, and check it, even though we're not looking for anything specific. It, do you enjoy that or do you feel burdened by that? Do we ever feel burdened by our, by our shows? Ever feel like you actually have too many TV shows and, hey, listen, we've got we, to get through this TV show because the next season is starting. Hey, come on, wake up, drink some coffee. Don't go to sleep on me. What are you, a fool? Come on, let's go. The next season is coming. We got we, we to gotta get through this. You ever feel burdened by it? You ever turn on the TV because you would feel this gut in your body, not even cognizantly in your mind, you feel this in your body, I need to find something to watch. You ever feel burdened by that? Do, do we enjoy what our lives become? Do, do we think that maybe when we're older, we'll look back on that and feel like, man, why did I keep doing that? Why did I continue to be pulled to that? Do we ever feel like the news is a burden? Oh, man, I tell you what, during that crazy political season and the pandemic, I don't know about you, but I it, it was a burden. I could not stop picking up my phone to see what Next crazy person in what cra- whatever crazy office was going to say some crazy thing and cause all sorts of drama about this or that in politics or the pandemic or our health or whatnot, it was a constant circus show. Still is a constant circus show. And yet, we walk away from watching the news or checking the news or flipping through it, and we feel burdened. We feel irritated. We feel anxious about what's going on. Do we ever feel burdened by online shopping? Why is it that when we have every single thing we need, impulsively our fingers twitch for the phone and before we know it, we're on Amazon or Instagram or whatever our drug of choice is and we're trying to discover new products. You see that page on some apps? Discover new products. Discover new products. This is not even just a place where we just meet our needs anymore or we go and search for something. They're telling us what we need. Do you ever feel burdened by that? feel burdened by the credit card debt that comes from it, or the constant trips to goodwill because we just can't not seem to get rid of this stuff at a fast enough pace. And, it, and if you say, well, maybe this is a little bit of an exaggeration. I don't feel burdened by it. I feel totally in control of it. Then stop it. Put your phone down. Stop all the shopping. Stop all the shows. Does your body still twitch like mine does? And feel anxious like mine does. It's a burden. If that's the case. We don't call these things gods. But dark spiritual powers can certainly work through them. They don't have to. But they can work through them. And we can put them into subjection. But they actively seek to run our lives. And it is difficult. And the scary thing is that the greater grip they get on us. The more they ask. Remember what happened with idolatry in the Old Testament? They didn't just give grain to their idols. They ultimately sacrificed their children alive. What have we sacrificed at the altar of technologies, of our media, of our friends on the other side of the world that are liking and loving our beautiful pictures of half-eaten food or our new lipstick or products that we're promoting? Our kids, the rest of our family, Have we sacrificed our church family, time in God's word, time before God's throne? Have we sacrificed good, fruitful goals? But they never relieve our burdens. They never deliver the joy, the fulfillment, the wisdom we need. As Daniel asked us, how's this project, how's this Babel project working out for us? Are we happier? Are we living longer? Are we less scared? Do we have more wisdom? Are we more connected and unified? It never delivers in the end. Shouldn't a God carry its people and not the other way around? That's what Isaiah urges the people to see. Notice verses 3 and 4 of Isaiah 46. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I'm he, and to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, I will bear, I will carry and save. We feel so anxious. We might feel so anxious to set these things aside, but God says, it's okay. You don't have to keep carrying them around. He speaks to the idol worshipers and says, it's okay. Set them down. I'll carry you. I've carried you from the womb. I'll carry you to your gray hairs and your old age. It's going to be okay. It's a sign of demonic influence, It is a sign of demonic influence if it feels like a burden to set the screen down and kneel before God. It is a sign of demonic influence, idolatrous grip on our life if it feels like a burden to set the screen down and pick up our Bible. Because though we're picking up a weight, that is how God picks us up and takes off our burdens when we kneel, when we pick up his word. He is saying, listen, that's how I'm going to carry you. It's a sign of demonic influence if it feels like a burden to set that down and take up habits that help God take us up in his arms. The second thing that happens when idolatry is happening with our technology or something idol-like is happening is we exchange perception of God and creation for images resembling creation. You know that passage, Romans chapter 1. Turn to Romans chapter 1 and look at that with me for just a moment. Romans 1. This is where Paul talks about how the spiral into sin happens. And it all starts with idolatry. It all starts with not perceiving God in creation any longer. And what I want you to be thinking about as we read this is, are we in creation? Are we seeing God's creation anymore, or are we just seeing what man has made? Notice Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 23 For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the foundation of the lost my place, ever since the uh, creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. When we look at the things that God has made, Paul tells us here in Romans 1 and Psalms talks about in Psalm 19 that we are supposed to perceive God's eternal, powerful, great, divine nature. We're supposed to see the sky and the beautiful sunset and the mountains and the animals and the flowers and the trees and the powerful ocean, and we're supposed to see God's power and handiwork and order behind all of those things and be filled with awe and wonder for him. And yet, today the average American spends most of their days indoors. And how do we spend our free time? Well, based on some studies, uh, say that we spend roughly about, the average American spends roughly about 90% of our free time looking at a screen. And what is that screen? It's something that man has made. And what is it oftentimes showing us? representations of things that God has made. Listen, I enjoy seeing pictures of my nieces and nephews from across the United States that live in Kentucky and Florida and Tennessee. I enjoy seeing them. I enjoy FaceTiming with them, as I'm sure you do with your grandchild, uh, grandchildren, or uh, with your grandparents or your parents. It's, it's a blessing, I think. Um, it, it's cool to be able to see a picture of the Grand Canyon, but I think we all know that seeing pictures of one another or FaceTiming one, with one another or seeing pictures of these things, it's just not the same thing. I don't think sinful, but just not the same thing in the end. It doesn't fill us with the same thanksgiving to God as the real thing. And this is why I just love trips to places where man has not overshadowed the creator. Uh, with skyscrapers, it's hard to just see more than a repeat of Babel with steel frames as opposed to bricks when we sit out under the stars on a starry night, outside the city, hard in Houston, or walk on the beach next to the roaring waters, we can be drawn to thank and worship God for his majesty and for his power and his eternal nature. We can perceive who he is in his creation. As Psalm 19 verse 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Will we do that? Will we go out and, and not exchange, not exchange, constantly looking at what man has, is, is mediating to us, the people on screens, the people on TV, but go and be with actual people, the trees and the creation on TV or on our screens, but go and actually be in creation. Get outside and, and listen to the voice. Listen to the voice of the skies. It says everywhere, all over the world. It's proclaiming to us the glory and the handiwork of God. Don't make that exchange. If it feels burdensome, it feels impossible. If we cannot take our eyes off of what man has made to listen to what the heavens and all creation are telling us about God, then something like idolatry is happening. We're surrounded by only what man is mediating to us and not seeing what God has done. A third thing that happens when technology is like idolatry or at least idol-like is we become what we look at. We become what we worship. Turn to Psalm 115. Man, I love this text. Really, really good at mocking idol worshipers, and I just love it when the Bible uses humor. I love it when God makes fun of people. Psalm 115 describes, God, uh, describes idols in comparison to God and idol worshipers in comparison to others. Notice verses 3 through 8. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak eyes but do not see, they have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell, they have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. So one thing that we might might forget about idols is that idols are spectacular to see. We have them actually all over Houston. Uh, They are spectacular to see. They are beautiful. But look more closely and we find that they have ears, but they cannot hear. They might be spectacular to see and beautiful and full of gold and, and great craftsmanship but they just can't really do anything at all. And here the psalmist is telling us that idolatry is not just a theological problem, it's what we call an anthropological problem. And what that means is it changes our humanity. It's not just a problem with our relationship with God, it's a problem with our relationship with ourselves. It does something to us. In simple terms, what the psalmist is saying is there's just something different about people who worship idols, and you can tell when you watch them, they become like their idols. What do we say about the best screen and the best media? It is arresting. Two thumbs up. The movie was captivating. The best entertainment. Literally, the best screen in entertainment literally puts us in a vegetative state glued to the screen on our couch. As motionless as the screen we're watching. Our hands, our ears, our eyes, our feet, they all go limp. We become, we we just take it all in. We become motionless. And if we're distracted by dings on our phones maybe when we're supposed to be with people giving them attention do we ever become less than human uh huh uh huh yeah yeah uh huh uh huh yeah ever become less than what we're called to be there's something different about idol worshipers there's something about people different about people who trust in their phones can't get off of them we probably all have a story don't we, about someone that we were talking to and then we realized at some point they weren't listening anymore. And then you just stop talking and they didn't even notice because they were in a whole different world. They've become less than human. They become like, as motionless and as useless as the phone they're looking at. You ever had this experience where you got to be away from your phone or you were forced to be away from it or you did that voluntarily? And you suddenly felt different. I had that experience actually on accident. I went on a cruise six months after I bought my first iPhone. I was a little bit of a late adopter. But I finally bought an iPhone a number of years back. And then I went on a cruise six months later. I didn't know there wouldn't be internet on the cruise. I just didn't think about it. I'm a silly millennial. Yes, I know. No internet on the cruise. What am I going to do? I can't play that birdie game where you knock down things or whatever. What am I going to do? Man, this is this is not good. See, I don't play that game anymore. So I can't even remember the name. So, yeah. I'm so righteous, aren't I? So eventually I realized, well, this phone is literally a brick. It's completely useless to me. I can't text anybody or receive any text messages, can't play games, can't send any. What am I doing? I, I don't, I, like, what am I going to do? Keep taking pictures of the sunset and of my half-eaten food? I don't want to be that guy. Okay, so I just leave my phone in my room. I didn't even think about it. But... As the days went on on the cruise, it's just a simple five day cruise. By the end of those five days, man, I felt different. I didn't go into that cruise expecting to disconnect from my phone at all, but I was forced to. But by the end of those five days, I suddenly realized I could breathe. And I didn't even realize that before, I couldn't really breathe. I felt my shoulders relax. I felt like I could see differently. I felt like I could be present with my friends and and be present with my delicious food and with my wife. And it was different. But what scares me so much of that is I didn't realize how how I was less than alive before, how I'd become, in a sense, less than human before until I set it down and realized I'm different when I don't have my phone and when I know that my phone can't reach me or do anything or touch anything to me. And it, for an extended period of time, I, I just didn't even realize that I was different and felt different. But we don't have to become less than human. We don't have to become animalistic, grunters, uh, uh-huh. We can become divinized, to become like God and share in his divine nature and his image again. If we could only set aside our devices and stop staring at them and becoming like them, and instead take up the holy scriptures, be with the church, bow before God and look upon his beauty, then we could all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord and be transformed into his glorious image and become then what we worship, like our God. The fourth thing that happens, that when, when, when our technology, our screens, and our media become like idols, is we gather in excess. Go back to Isaiah, or forward to Isaiah, rather, Isaiah chapter 2. And I want you to notice how Isaiah talks about God's good creation as like an idol in verses 6 through 8. When Isaiah castigates and, and, and criticizes the people of Judah. Isaiah two, verses six through eight. He says this, For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines, and they strike their hands, strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. And their, their land is filled with horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers own fingers have made. You notice that there? Isaiah criticizes Judah because their land was full of idols, fortune tellers, silver, gold, and horses. Now God made Gold, silver, and horses. And in Genesis chapter 1, you know what he declared about them? That they are good. So why in the world does he lump them together with idols and fortune tellers and things from the east? It's because Judah had a misplaced love and trust for gold, silver, and horses. And it was demonstrated by how they had gathered them up in excesses. In fact, God had explicitly told the people of Judah in Deuteronomy chapter 17 not to gather gold, silver, and horses in excess because he knew that they would capture their hearts, their trust, their love. Because as Jesus says, where your treasure, where your excesses, where your accumulations are, there your heart will be also. And boy, oh boy, with our technologies... There are so many different devices that we can gather up that can pump media to us at all corners of the world and in our homes. Do we gather these devices in excess or other possessions in excess? And our shows, the number of shows that have been produced over the last decade is it's just staggering. It is growing. It's seeming like an, an exponential rate, the amount of shows that are available. Do we binge them? Or our social media in excess? What about our gaming? Oh, I know there's some young men out here that love their gaming, love their gaming. There was one wife that, that told Ashley some back, sometime back, she was troubled and trying to figure out what was normal for husbands to do. And she, she, she told Ashley, my wife, that after she repeatedly had tried to get her husband off of his Xbox to spend time with her, he told her that she needed to get a hobby. Yikes a bee. Excess. Excess. Now, the point in all of this, so fourth and th- Final point here, as far as idolatry becoming, uh, like our technology becoming idolatry, we gather in excess. Now, the point of all this—it might sound negative towards creation—but I want to assure you that that's not at all my intention, nor what I think the, the witness of the Scriptures is. Turn to First Timothy chapter four. The point of all of this is not to remove our enjoyment of God's creation, because when things are in the right place, we receive God's creation with thanksgiving. And in holiness. And that is actually our, part of our aim. Our, our entire aim is not merely enjoyment, right? As Daniel has already talked about, our aim is to steward God's creation, uh, to fill the earth uh, with God's glory and fame, uh, to build families and homes and cities that honor and glorify God and enact his rule in every place. But part of what we can do and what God wants us to do with creation and in his blessings is enjoy them. And I want you to notice 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 here. is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Just as demons can be at work in idolatrous excesses, demons are at work when we cannot enjoy the good things that God has given us to enjoy with thanksgiving and in holiness. Now, I wanna be clear though here. Is Paul talking about our phones? (laughs) Well, no. What's he explicitly talking about? He's talking about the things that God has made. The things that God has made are good. The things that we make can be a mixed bag, right? But the things that God has made are all good. And specifically, he talks about marriage and about food. And personally, uh, I think, and honestly, I'd say probably a lot of marriages would be going a lot better if maybe there wasn't a screen between us in the bed. But, but our screen usage, can, can we apply this passage to our screen usage, to our phones, to our technology? I'll be honest, I wrestle with that and I go back and forth about that. But here's what I, I think I can confidently say. Can our screen usage honor God? Can it be holy? Can it be something that we receive with thanksgiving and we thank God for? Can it be something that is pure and brings glory and honor to God? Something that God, looking over our shoulders, would be be saying, I'm glad you're doing that, and I'm glad you're taking enjoyment in that. Go for it. I think that if we can confidently say, yes, my usage is holy. Yes, I can thank him for it. Yes, it honors him. Yes, it's in moderation. Then, yeah. I think that we're in a good place, and I think we can receive this with thanksgiving. Even though recognizing that 1 Timothy 4 is not explicitly talking about things that we make, I think by extension we could say that's the case. Because ultimately, isn't that what Daniel was saying earlier happened with the temple? People took metallurgy. People took the instruments that Cain's line had made. And they used that to make a temple of the Lord and to bring praise and honor and glory to God. They took the stuff of the dark side and they made it pure and they made it good and they made it holy. Can we do the same thing with our technology? I I think the same thing can absolutely happen for us. And I think one thing that is really helpful in all of this is Proverbs 25, 16. Proverbs 25, 16 says this, if you found honey, Eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit. We might find honey in our tech and media. I know I have. Uh, please don't use Daniel and I as authoritative examples uh, in all things, but we've both found that if we use them right and, and limit notifications, we kind of like smart They help us exercise and motivate us to be, to exercise, and we think that's kind of a, a fruitful, a good thing. Uh, My daughters and I have found recently some really cute and funny Olaf clips on Disney Plus that are just hilarious. Uh, uh, Ashley and I, uh, every once in a while, we'll find shows on occasion that just, uh, you don't kind of cringe at them, or you feel like, "Ah, I don't know if I should watch it, but they they really uplift you. I don't know if anybody watched that Rings of Power series recently on Amazon Prime, but man, I, I watched that, and I just felt... Man, I just wanted to go kill Satan. <laughs> I wanted to crush the snakes. I wanted to go fight for righteousness in the world. It just was really uplifting. There's some honey out there. Take it. Take the honey. Enjoy the honey in moderation. Eat just enough for yourself. lest you be sick. And, and, and it'd be no good at all in the end. In the end, technology by itself, it's just not inherently God-honoring or idolatrous. This phone is just not inherently God-honoring or idolatrous. But some things are easier to honor God with than others. I tell you what, it's a lot easier to honor God with a rake or with a life-saving medical device than it is with a gun or a phone. It's just a lot easier to honor God with those other things than with, than with these it's a lot easier to thank God for, uh, for IVs and for all, again, those life-saving medical technologies. A lot easier to thank him for that than for Instagram, right? And so maybe that tells us something about those technologies. But it really depends on who we are and how we use them. Uh, I love Titus chapter 1 and verse 15 here. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, Nothing is pure. I want to end with this and remind you of what Daniel has said. We are here here to fill the earth with God's image and glory and presence. And we can and should both enjoy creation and use tools to do fruitful work. May we steward the tools that God has given us with purity May we be the people who are so confidently walking in purity that everything we touch just becomes pure. Our phones and our computers and whatever technology we have, it just becomes a way that that honors God. We, We take it over for God's kingdom. We put it under submission to Christ to honor him. May we do that but let's also have the honesty to recognize when that's just not happening, when something is just so bent towards deviousness that we're just not going to turn it, or at least we're not the people to turn it today. If our technology is controlling us, then tech, it's no longer a creation under our dominion or God's dominion, but it's idol-like and it's been corrupted by demons and it's taken on a life of its own to manipulate us and control us. If only... We would have the strength then if we will admit that we, if, if there's a place where we can't make it pure, can't make it work for God's kingdom, if only we would have this restraint and the responsibility and the wisdom to be able to set it down, take up the yoke of Jesus, and find that our burdens, that anxiety, it's released. And we won't be missing out on pleasure. We won't be missing out on the good life. We're not missing out if we, if we never watch a show again, if that's what it has to be. I'm not saying it has to be that, but if that's what it has to be, then then still, where did David say there are pleasures forevermore? At the right hand of God. And may we recognize that and not cave to the lies of demons and idols. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. I know there are probably some little kids that are ready to get to bed, and some parents that are ready to get them there. Thank you so much for your kind attention this evening.